Welcome to the Retzel Health Law Hotspot. Health Law Hotspot is a podcast for physicians and health professionals that covers the legal issues and trends that affect the healthcare industry. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Health Law Hotspot. I'm Erica Adler, shareholder and leader of the healthcare practice of Retzel and Andrews. And today I'm joined by Christina Kuda, a member of our health law practice and the most knowledgeable person I know about the topic we're covering today, which has to do with opting out of Medicare, when and how to do it. And this is a question that we get asked regularly. So we thought it would be a great topic for a podcast. So why don't we start by welcoming Christina. Thanks for joining me as always. And Christina, tell us what are some situations where people would want to opt out of Medicare? When would you not want to participate anymore? So the biggest situation when this occurs is when uh, a practitioner wants to pay or have patients pay cash for Medicare covered services. Under the law, if a patient has Medicare and you are not opted out of Medicare as a practitioner, you are not allowed to charge a patient cash for any Medicare covered services. So as we've talked about before, there is a trend uh, recently where more physicians are starting direct primary care or concierge type practices where they're cash-based practices. In order to be able to treat any Medicare patients in those practices, they absolutely have to opt out of Medicare. Otherwise, they're violating federal law. Okay, so if you go to an average practice and you have Medicare coverage and they try to make you pay, that would in fact violate Medicare. How would somebody know if their doctor has opted out of Medicare so they know whether they should be paying cash or not? There actually is a website, you can Google it, Medicare opt-out, and there's a website that will show up and you can put in the name of the practitioner and it will tell you whether that practitioner is participating in Medicare or has opted out of Medicare. So if they've opted out and you go to their office and they ask you to pay cash for something, that would be completely acceptable. Do you have to sign any additional paperwork? You do. Yeah. So in order to, once you've opted out of Medicare, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about what that process looks like, but once that's done, you have to enter as a practitioner into a written agreement with a patient. And the context and terms of that agreement are pretty much dictated by statute. There are several different things that have to be in that agreement and very specific language to make it clear to the patient you've opted out, what their responsibilities are, that Medicare is now paying for this practitioner's services, etc. Um, and every time there's a renewed of the opt-out period, you have to re-enter into a contract with those terms and conditions with the Medicare patient. And you are not allowed to see the patient and provide those services that are otherwise Medicare covered for cash unless the patient has signed that particular agreement. And another thing to note about the agreement is um, the law doesn't seem to have kept up with sort of what's happening now with electronic signatures. The requirement still is you have to have original wet signatures and maintain a copy of that. So I always tell uh, providers we work with, even though e-signatures, you know, kind of rule the day now and are pretty much accepted everywhere, I don't see anything where that language has specifically changed or anything formal from Medicare specifically 
specifically talking about the Medicare patient opt-out contracts. So just to cover all the bases, I still recommend that those be signed uh, with wet signatures and that the provider maintain a copy of that originally signed agreement. Okay, so if you are a patient and you're going to uh, seek treatment for uh, any kind of medical service, you want to check and make sure, and you're on Medicare, make sure your patient, your doctor is not opted out, and you should be offered uh, a contract to sign, or you should have previously signed one, or else you should not be paying cash for services. So we know why doctors might want to opt out. Concierge practices are a good example of that. Some practices you and I deal with, they just don't take Medicare at all. So it's not always concierge. We have an ob practice that accepts no Medicare. All the doctors are opted out. So how do they go through that process? What does it look like? Uh, you know, take us through those steps. So the way it works is a physician has to file what's called an opt-out affidavit. It's a very specific kind of form, and it goes to the Medicare Administrative Contractor, the MAC for your jurisdiction uh, where you practice. And you can find, if you don't know the MAC, your billing person will know. Otherwise, you can look online. There's a map. It'll tell you what your MAC is based on where you practice. And they all have form opt-out affidavits on their websites you can fill out. And essentially, you say you're opting out of Medicare, that you no longer want to be a Medicare provider. Now, what's interesting is depending on um, when you file this is when it will be effective. And you cannot treat a Medicare patient for cash until you've got confirmation and you're in the effective date period for opt-out. So if you're a participating Medicare provider, which is what most doctors are, you go in and they accept the Medicare payment for their services. Um, the opt-out works by the date will be the date, the first date of the next quarter, that's no further away than 30 days from when you sign the affidavit. So for example, the quarters are January 1st, April 1st, uh, July 1st, and October 1st. If you file the Medicare affidavit as a participating provider on Medicare 15th of a year, it's not going to be effective until April 1st, because that's the first day of the first quarter that happens at least 30 days out from when you file the affidavit. But interesting is if you are non-participating, there are some providers that are enrolled in Medicare, but they're non-participating, meaning they don't accept Medicare rates as full payment for services. Those opt-outs begin on the day you sign the affidavit. So if you're a non-participating provider and you sign your affidavit February 15th, in my example, your opt-out will be effective on February 15th. The same is for doctors who have never enrolled in Medicare. So you mentioned example, the ob gyne practice we work with, they don't accept Medicare. If those doctors are not enrolled in Medicare, they're not Medicare providers, but they decide at some point that they want to charge Medicare patients cash for services that otherwise would be covered for Medicare, they still have to opt out, even though they're not participating or non-participating providers at this point. Their effective date is the same as what a non-participating provider's is. It's the day they sign the affidavit. So in my example, it would be February 15th. Okay, perfect. So uh, I guess, you know, that sounds complicated. And I guess for doctors who may not know what category they fall in, they need to be extra careful. I, I'm not sure that doctors are always aware whether they're participating, non-participating, if they've opted out. But, and when they switch between employers, we've had the situation where you have a doctor starting, you know, a concierge practice and they have no idea, you know, how they were enrolled with their prior employer. 
Correct. Yeah, we, we have an example of this that um, is pretty tough. So what happened is we had a provider who worked for a hospital system. He assumed he was a participating provider and should have been. There must have been an accident in the enrollment process. But back in like in the 90s, so we're talking a long time ago when this happened, he went to and opt out of Medicare because he was leaving that job and starting a concierge practice. He wanted to leave that job starting um, the end of May, and he was going to start his concierge practice July 1st. So he filed the affidavit, I think it was around the end of April, assuming that it would be effective date of July 1st, the next quarter, because he thought he was participating. Turns out he wasn't, was not aware. So Medicare made it effective the end of April. He still had a month left of work at the hospital and absolutely needed to be enrolled in Medicare to be able to continue that month of employment. So that sort of brings up a couple of other um, things with opt-out that are really important. So one is when you opt out, you opt out everywhere. There's no ability to say, well, I'm gonna be opted in for my hospitalist work, but for my part-time side concierge practice, I'm going to be opted out. Doesn't work that way. When you opt out, you're opted out everywhere. So if you're leaving a job that requires you to be participant in Medicare, do be really careful of the timing of when you actually file and have that opt out start. The second point it brings up is what do you do, like in the example of the doctor we just talked about, when you didn't realize that the effective date was going to be much sooner than you needed it to be? The first time you opt out, and only the first time, you have the option to pull back that opt-out within 90 days of the effective date. So we were able to rescind that and then appropriately file so it would be starting on July 1st, which is when he wanted it to start. So we did a new affidavit and signed it on July 1st. That was the effective date. But it's only the first time. So if you are... If you've opted out for 10 years, opt-outs last for a two-year period. They just continue on a rolling basis unless you give 30 days notice. You don't want it to renew at the end of that 30-day, uh, at the end of that two-year period. But the first time you have that 90-day ability to rescind. Otherwise, you really are stuck in an opt-out status for two years. And I'm working with a doctor now who... Um, is starting a concierge practice, but may want to pick up some part-time work at a hospital emergency room. The hospital emergency room is going to require her to be Medicare enrolled. And one of the things we're talking about is the fact that it's a two-year opt-out minimum. So if she thinks she's going to work in an emergency room anytime in the next two years, she really shouldn't opt out because she she's stuck. And it's gonna be difficult to find an ER that's going to take her on if she can't see or bill Medicare patients. Right. And I would say most employers do want you to participate in Medicare. There are very few examples of people who opt out completely. So if you're going to be looking for a side gig, you better know what it is before you start, because there are few and far between, really. Yeah, it's 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 really limited that you're going to find an employer that's going to say, we don't care for participating in Medicare. A little bit easier for like pediatricians, um, you know, certain other types of specialties might be easier, but you know, most of the time in, in the doctors we work with, um, you really need to be able to participate in Medicare. Um, and that also sort of brings up another point, you know, who can opt out of Medicare? Not every provider can, like chiropractors are not allowed to opt out. So you don't have this option. Physical therapists can't opt out. Part A providers can't opt out. Uh, the list of providers who can opt out are physicians, 
nurse practitioners, physician assistants, clinical psychologists, clinical social workers, dentists, podiatrists, and optometrists. No other providers are actually allowed to opt out of Medicare. So they can never charge cash to Medicare patients for services that otherwise would be covered by Medicare. Oh, all right. Well, I think that's important to know. And um, I guess that's kind of interesting, but probably goes back to their history of their role, you know, in terms of Medicare and the reimbursement that they receive. Um, do you see anything on the horizon that would change this process that we've talked about? Has there been any discussion about um, it lasting longer than two years or it making it more difficult, more hurdles, or do we anticipate this is largely gonna stay the same going forward? I think it would largely stay the same going forward. There was one big change though, a few years ago, it used to be that the provider who opted out had to opt out every two years and file a new affidavit every two years. And if you didn't remember to do that, you'd have kind of a gap in your opt out status. They changed it a few years ago to automatic renewal every two years. So once you file one affidavit, it will continuously renew. Um, the issue with that is you need to remember if you don't want it to renew, if you're going to get a new job or you just want to be able to participate in Medicare again, you have to remember to make sure you file no later than 30 days before the end of that two-year period a request to not have it automatically renew. If you don't, you're stuck in that two-year period again. So the timing of it is, is super important. Um, I'm not sure there'll be changes in this, but perhaps there is sort of an issue of what they call an ordering and certifying physician. So when you file your Medicare affidavit, you have to check a box whether or not you still wanna be ordering and certifying. And what that means is even though you can't bill Medicare for anything and the patient can't either, that's important. Some patients think, well, you're not in Medicare and I'll pay you cash, but I'll send my, my uh, you know, my, bill to Medicare and Medicare is going to pay it. That's not the case. Nobody can present a bill to Medicare. But if you're check the box for yes for ordering and certifying, what that means is you can't bill Medicare and nothing that you do can be paid by Medicare. But if you order something or certify something, that can be payable to Medicare. So for example, if you write a prescription for a patient, that prescription at the pharmacy can be paid by Medicare. If you order a piece of DME for a patient, that piece of DME, as long as the DME provider is a Medicare provider, can't be paid by Medicare. So most physicians will almost universally elect to be ordering and certifying. So their patients still get the benefit of items and things that they want the patient to have. As long as that provider is not the one providing that, it will still be paid by Medicare. Um, the one exception is if you are a Medicare provider who's excluded from the Medicare program for a reason, you have an exclusion, you actually still have to opt out, interestingly enough, to be able to charge a Medicare patient cash for Medicare coverage services, even if you're excluded. But you cannot check yes for the ordering and certifying because as an excluded provider, Anything you order, anything you certify is not going to be payable by Medicare. So that's why the patient contract we talked about requires the provider to say if they're excluded from Medicare or not. So the patient then will know, okay, nothing that this provider does for me or orders for me is ever going to be paid by Medicare. 
Okay, cool. So one last question, I guess, and, and I'm not even sure if you'll know the answer to this because I don't know that we've ever talked about it, but you may opt out of Medicare and still take other commercial insurances. And some of those commercial insurances do sell or are connected with Medicare products. So I guess I'm just curious, if you opt out of Medicare, are you opting also out of all of those products or is there a carve out? Yeah, so that's an interesting question. And I actually just had to research this a couple days ago. If you want to take Medicare Advantage plans, which I think is sort of what we're discussing, the Medicare Part C plans, you cannot be opted out of Medicare. So you have to be a Medicare provider, non-opted out to accept and enroll in the Medicare Advantage products. So that's something that's really important to keep in mind. You know, the Medicare Advantage products are becoming much more popular. I talked to some physicians who are in um, Maine, and they were saying that in their practice, they have no Medicare through Part B anymore. Everyone's Medicare Part C um, and a Medicare Advantage plan. They cannot opt out of Medicare because if they do, they cannot see those Medicare Advantage patients. Oh, awesome. All right. Well, this has been truly uh, interesting. I hope everyone listening out there has found it to be informative. We get asked these kind of questions all the time. So we thought this would be pretty educational. Hopefully people listening will find their answers here. And of course, you can always reach out to Christina or me if you have more questions or if you didn't get your answer here on this topic. And um, we hope that you'll catch up with us for some other um, Health Law Hotspot podcast, which you can see at ralaw.com. And again, thanks to Christina Kuda for her excellent advice. And we'll see you next time. The Retzel Health Law Hotspot is made available by the firm and its attorneys for educational purposes and to provide general information, not to provide specific legal advice. Use of the Retzel Health Law Hotspot does not create an attorney-client relationship between you and the firm or any of its attorneys. The Retzel Health Law Hotspot should not be used as a substitute for competent legal advice and you should contact an attorney in your state about any legal needs or questions you may have.